This is the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. This is Road to Russia 2018, the TSN Radio World Cup podcast. Welcome along for this incredible ride on the Road to FIFA World Cup 2018. Gareth Wheeler alongside Andy Petrillo. Mm -hmm. And Andy, do you want to introduce our guest live in studio for this week's episode? We do have a special guest in studio. Three-time MLS Cup champion. Two is a player. One as a coach. Doesn't like doing laundry or vacuuming, so it's good that he's really good at soccer. That would be John Conway. Thank you for that brilliant introduction. Yes. Um, I appreciate that. That's probably the best one um, I've ever gotten in my entire life. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were uh, you were named Mr. MLS one year as well, just being the, Mr. Everything. the, the best looking, the most talented. <laughs> Isn't that true? Uh, that is true. Uh, she forgot. That she didn't add that in. I'm not sure why that right. wasn't added Whoa, whoa, in, whoa. But... Why didn't I know about this? When were you Mr. MLS? I'm Mr. Everything. Oh, geez. Here we go. There you go. Okay. Uh, thrilled to have you along, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is week two of the podcast, and I mm-hmm. feel like we're stepping up already. Yeah, let's go. We need to step it up. We're getting close to the to this uh, World Cup happening. We're so. four four weeks away, yeah. and mm-hmm. I feel like we're now in earnest in the true build-up to the tournament. The domestic leagues, almost all of them have come to an end. The ones that play the traditional winter schedule, that is. Uh, the preliminary and some 23-man squads have already been announced this week. So we'll get into that over this episode. It's the squads that get me excited, right? Hmm. The players that make it, the players that don't. And now some teams completely change from the way they've looked during the two-year qualifying process to the way that they will look this June and July come Russia 2018. Where would where do you guys want to start with this? Because I think we should probably focus on the bigger, larger nations yeah. where there is more uh, of a debate about players who are included and not included in the respective squads. The question I have, obviously, I think the first team you want to talk about is Germany mm-hmm. because these are the defending World Cup champions as well. So the big question always wants, oh, can they do it? Can they repeat? I mean, you have Italy who's repeated, you have Brazil who's repeated. Can there be another country who can do that? And we all know that Manuel Neuer really became a household name in that 2014 World Cup. And it was great. Well, I mean, not if you're Brazilian, but, you know, in that 7-1 victory over Brazil, the fact that he led in the one goal and he lost his mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, weren't they already up 7-0 at that point? And everyone's like, look at the passion of this guy. Like, he really stepped up. He's the captain of this team. He hasn't played since September, right? Dealing with that broken foot, you know. The metatarsals, like the dreaded uh, term that no football supporter wants to hear that their player goes down. Well, and you tell us as a goalkeeper. He's the best goalkeeper yeah, in the world for yeah. me. He, he is fa- he's fantastic, but I guess that's a, an injury a fellow goalkeeper can understand. He hasn't played since September. He actually really, and he hasn't gotten into match. He's been any kind of match play, but he's on the team because Joachim Love's like, well, we want to make sure he can play and see if he's ready, but how how do you bounce back from something like that? I think that's the bigger question. It's not about the injury. It's about the actual match play. I mean, he hasn't been involved in any sort of preparation other than probably training on his own and getting some match time and seeing the ball and making the decisions, which he is, he is, that's, that's his bread and butter coming out and reading plays when balls are played through, managing the space behind the backs, getting out, clearing balls, seeing crosses, and then making the safe part, which I think will come back fairly easy for him. But the decision-making is going to be the biggest problem. Fortunately, though, Germany has a solution. Ter Stegen. Do you rate him? I do. I think he's you know, he's very good in certain situations. He's slightly different in some regards than Neuer. 
you know, he plays at a huge club under huge pressure week in, week out. He plays in Champions League, and he gets it done. He's very good for me. He's one of the best in sort of 1v1 situations where he's able to come out and make himself big and spread sort of like a drop knee kind of spread that a lot of goalkeepers are doing right now. And he I does love it that he also the... just showed us that. Yeah, he did. We like, we could see it, but, like, nobody on the podcast could, like, but it was back great. Back when I got on the dance floor and I <laughs> dropped, dropped the knee down. He did. Like but it's exactly what needle. it is, and he does that to a T and is excellent and, and, and makes some saves. And, again, it's not like you're putting somebody in there who, who doesn't play at a high level. This guy plays at Barcelona. He's the Barcelona number I mean, one, but th- th- this is where I feel on Ter Stegen is some of his play – and some of his weaknesses can be papered over by the fact he plays for Barcelona, a team that has grown defensively in terms of their shape. It's not just the Lionel Messi show. This team is very well balanced. And watching their Champions League failures, it wasn't all on Ter Stegen against Roma, but there is an element where he doesn't bring the same stability as Manuel Neuer. So I look at I, potentially agreed. no Neuer. Boateng, Jerome Boateng is a hamstring that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. We'll see about him. And this team does have significant turnover from, from 2014. Schweinsteiger's moved on. Um, there, There's um, no Miroslav Klose. Who's going to be the Klose up front? Mario Gotze yeah. with, the, with, the, with the golden goal. He's no longer there. And Philip Lahm, who is a heart and soul, adaptable, versatile player, the captain of the team, he's not no longer there as well. So this is a very... It's a very much different looking German side, and I, I'm not sure if they're ready to win it this year. I was very disappointed in their p- overall play at Euro 2016 as well. So the question marks with with Neuer and Boateng. I mean, small margins, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's a lot of impressive. Play- Ozil's had an off season. Kadir is not the player that he was. I just I don't think that they're the slam dunk that they were even mm-hmm. two years ago, or what they should have been two years ago. Yeah, it's very interesting, and that's why I wondered who would step up, who would be the guy. We know Thomas Muller was at 2010, right? Like, that was really his coming All he does party. is score goals. Yeah. He's incredible. So you know you're going to get contribution from him, but now we have this this new kid, right, and Timo, and, like, who Timo is Werner. he? Yeah. And he ended up, you know, he, he made his debut, what, on the national team just last year, 2017, played in the Confed Cup, scored three goals, you know, won the Golden Boot in that tournament. Like, is he the guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like, we're talking about Miroslav Klose, who's the all-time goal scorer in World Cup History. And no matter what he'd do or what he wouldn't do with cl- in club football, there's certain players that just shine mm-hmm. when it comes to the role within mm-hmm. the national team, and he's one of them. And yeah. I just wonder who that player will be for this German side. Yeah, I'm, so, not, I'm not sure. And there are all those question marks, right? Like it's this is the this is one of the most difficult tournaments to win. When I was doing some of my prep work, I mean, you have 20 World Cups that have been contested. Mm-hmm. Only 12 countries have played in a World Cup final. Mm-hmm. Only eight of those 12 have won. Right. And it's like, that's not, it's not easy to do. Now, trying to do it back-to-back? Well, Germany's one of those teams that have been in it several times and have won it. So you would think they have some sort of formula where they know mm-hmm. how to get them to, to peak at the right time. It's just putting the right pieces together. I, I agree. They're, they're a bit of a different squad than they have been in the past. I still wouldn't put it past them, though, to, to make a solid run in this. Mm-hmm. Round of 16? Like- Tony, Tony Cruz is, is a special player. Um, still got to hold your breath with Champions League final coming up. Totally. I mean, oh, Sané. We haven't even touched on Sané. Right. I mean, and, Sané is, is is a remarkable player for Man City. Mm-hmm. You know what he does on the international scale will still be still be question marks a little bit, but you'll see it in this World Cup. He can put it on full display. Yeah. Um, the other major talking point. Well, there's there's a couple. We might as well go to Brazil. I mean, an embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. But Danny Alves. 
a, a very important player. I know that he's an experienced player. His better years might be behind him, but he's going to miss out on this year's tournament. And again, it's those small margins, key players missing at key positions, whether you can kind of paper over the cracks and find the right balance within the Brazilian team. Danny Alves still plays a role for that national team. And it's incredible when you look at Brazil, like some of the players, Alexandro of Juventus doesn't even make it into the team. It's just ridiculous what that team has. There's just so many good players coming out of Brazil. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Danny Alves is a critical uh, component of the team and the team structure for Brazil because he's been there uh, multiple times. But can they make? Can they fill? Put somebody in to fill the gap? I think they can, um, but they can fill it with some other players, other places on the field that take away sort of what he was doing. They can add it somewhere else with the quality that they have in these other positions, which is just. Ridiculous. Sure, and it's all going to come down to Neymar, right? Yeah. Another player recovering from injury, and yeah. he and a player who seemingly in a race to be healthy, really in a race I mean. to be healthy. I wonder where his mindset's at. You know, the world's richest player after that transfer to PSG, he's concerned about his health. We'll remember in 2014, it was a national crisis when he did in his back and couldn't play. Mm-hmm. I just, I wonder what the state of mind of the player is. Balance with the, the the match fitness as well for for Brazil's most important yeah. player. In fairness, to me, I, and and what's obviously disappointing is is the injury, right? Because I just wonder if this guy's a hundred percent going in. I wouldn't be surprised if he absolutely thrives because his coming out party at the World Cup mm-hmm. was hosted was on home soil. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get more pressure than that. You are the rising star. You are the star. You've quickly become the face of your national team. Oh, by the way, you're playing in the biggest tournament in the world. Oh, by the way, your country's hosting it. Now imagine he's got a you know World Cup under his belt, and now he's in another country. He's in Russia. If he was able to do what he did in his first World Cup on home soil, now imagine what he can do with just more years of experience under him and a World Cup experience under him, what he can do in Russia, but of course now you're going to have an asterisk next to that because if he doesn't do well, you're always going to wonder if it's an injury mm-hmm. problem. But I mean, to to me, you know, we saw him again. I, I brought this up in our last podcast. You know, the bounce back and how he was the star at the Olympics. You can argue, okay, well, it's the Olympics and it's really an under twenty three tournament, and he was one of the overagers that was granted access to play. But he he still shone on that. Yeah. That was still on home soil. That's still at the iconic Maracana. And I just, to me, I just feel like away from home, he can really thrive even more without that pressure, having played right. on home soil in two big soccer tournaments. And he's, he's got great players around him, like Firmino, Je- Jesus, like his uh, two players coming off top seasons for the respective clubs in Liverpool, Man City, and Fernandinho in the mid. Like they look balanced everywhere other than the right back position. They have a decision to make at goalkeeper, Ederson. Or Alisson of, of, of Roma, two goalkeepers coming off very good years as well. So, I mean, I, there isn't a perceived weakness other than I do have a question of who's going to play right back. Yeah, I mean, you bring up good points. I mean, they got they got some decisions to make pretty much everywhere with the quality that they have, including the goalkeeping position, which, I mean, I can speak to uh, pretty intimately because these two guys are playing at really high levels in, in, with their respective clubs. To go into camp now and then to be competitive after such a long season with both of their respective clubs is going to be difficult and it's going to be a real uh, test of mentally mm. who's going to be on top. Uh, we might as well transition to England because the goalkeeping scenario there was something that mm. I don't think caught many people by surprise, but Joe Hart's not hasn't been named to the squad. 
Instead, it's Pope from Burnley that gets in as the third goalkeeper. And the big question around England is whether the lack of experience will come back to cost them. I don't think anyone's ever happy with the England squad, by the way, no matter if it's within the golden generation or not. But do you like this England team? They're much younger. I I don't think they have much in the midfield. I have some real questions. What are your general thoughts? I, I love it. You do. And I'll tell you why. And, and I'm, I'm actually thinking to the next World Cup. They, they're setting themselves up. I, I think they took a, took a really hard look about what they need to do to prepare themselves for 2022. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of guys, average age is 25 on this team. You got a lot of kids that are young that have very little caps but have had success at the youth national team level because the English youth national teams have done well. Uh, in, in competitions over the last few years. They, have. They, have, they are setting themselves up, maybe not for this World Cup, maybe it's just a gain experience for these young guys, to be ready for 2022 and beyond because these guys are be able to play in multiple World Cups based on their age if they keep progressing and, and keep doing what they're doing. But, you know, you have a couple older guys mingled in, but at the end of the day, like, the, most of the, the pivotal players are – 24, 25, around that age, which is incredible, which is incredible to think about because now you can get maybe one, you get one World Cup here to warm up and tune up and see what you can do. And then the next one, like the pressure is on for them to, to really go out and win it. Based and the game's on this. going younger. Yes. Right? Like, like that's the thing. And this team, I think for them to be successful, Harry Kane needs to play and he needs to play well for yep. this team. But it's all about keeping a strong defensive shape, isn't it? Like, is, isn't that where there's again their, their success and failures? Again, will be yes. I mean, you know, their their past World Cup sort of catastrophes have been some goal, some serious goalkeeping errors. Um, and isn't that essentially what ended things for Green? Yeah. Like on that international Robert stage, Green embarrassed. Yeah. Like the capitulation, the lack of ideas against Iceland at Euro 2016. I mean, it was incredible. That's something that will hold back most England supporters, it's not just Iceland, but the track record, from being excited about a young team with some really exciting talent in it. Is that fair? You know what? I When I was, you always try to get the pulse of people when you, know, you, you take to social media, and at least what I was seeing is they were, there were way more people happy about the squad than not. And... Again, it was the excitement of, you know, for so long there was the, the complaining of the older team and are we really bringing in the youth and are we really giving them a chance and what does our future really Players hold? Players name based on reputation. Yes, like, right? Above exactly. anything else. So now all of a sudden you're seeing the changing of the guard, really. And the question mark has for a long time also been in that goalkeeping position. In fact, I remember when we were getting ready for 2014, you know, somebody brought up that, you know, if you look at the English Premier League, they were saying, you know, really how many of the goalkeepers, at least at that time, they're saying we're actually English, right? Yeah, like, at, the time that, at the time, there was probably four or six. Because they're like, where is our development, yeah. right? So then the whole question about development within the English program started to come about. And obviously, there's still a little bit some question marks there when it comes to goalkeeping. But maybe this is the chance. Maybe this is now, you know, with Joe Hart not being named, you can see, again, a turning of, a, of the guard in that position, and maybe right decision. Up. Hart just heaves. No, didn't he just start playing on the on the first team as well? Well, he was like in West and out of yeah. David Moyes' West Ham. Team. Like he didn't deserve it based on merit, and that's no. what it's about, right? Well, you would hope so, right? You would hope it's based on merit, and I think they did a good job here with what they who they chose. And you, and you know how they're going to they're going to play in a three five two. They made yeah. it abundantly clear they have like six fullbacks or wingbacks on this team. <laughs> Very little in the midfield. I just wonder if it's enough to compensate, like. 
we look at these other perceived favorites like Belgium and Germany and Brazil and France. Everyone's so strong in the midfield. This England team doesn't really have much in the midfield. But you, you, you coach for a team, John, that, that plays that system. Can you get away with playing that way without you need you know, to have, you need to have some guys? You need some guys in the midfield that really dictate what goes on and able to keep, take care of the ball and make the right decisions on the ball. You know, the, the question you bring up, if, the, if they do go 3-5-2 and they're heavy with how they stack the squad, what happens if they do have to make a tactical change? Like, what do they do then? I'm not sure so, they can. Uh, yeah, so what do you do? So that, that's an interesting point. Again, is this an all in preparation for not, I mean, I don't want to think that look over this World Cup, but is this all in preparation for the future for this team? Right. Like you have to start somewhere. I mean, you have to start. So I think everyone. But I agree with you. Like this, this is if they have to make some changes tactically. Like, what is their moves based on the based on who they who they select? Right. To me, you have to start the turnover somewhere. This will be it in two years. You have Euro before you know it again. It's World Cup. You just have to make the turnover at some point. And you look at these players. I mean, I know I know the names. Like I'm sure there's a lot of casual fans that look at them, and you still know the names because you know what they've done mm-hmm. with their respective clubs. I mean, to me, Jamie Vardy, how do you not know that name or in the Leicester right. City story by now, right? But I just, I, I don't think He's it's He's probably that... coming off the bench. He's probably not going to pair him up front with Eric. It's, it's going to be Raheem Sterling, right? For Playing sure. In the t- like, but you're right. Vardy's reputation precedes him. It's about time that it translates to the national mm-hmm. team, yeah, and right? We'll and um, and so, Kate, uh, look, I think there's more intrigue with this team. And oftentimes, when, when Italy won the World Cup, I mean, that wasn't an Italian team that many people perceived was going to win the world cup that year it's not always the front runners that go out and win it based you know the bigger nations generally have the better chance but sometimes when you think it's a little bit of a bridge team yep that those teams can come out without the expectation correct and pressures maybe not as high even though it's england they're always being yeah, under right. a lot of pressure but maybe relatively, maybe, speaking. relatively speaking maybe maybe they go out and they turn some heads now listen they got they got they got a, I, I feel like a pretty tough group to begin with mm-hmm. because Belgium, you would see, you would think would go through pretty quickly in that group. It should. Panama, who knows? Maybe they play spoiler. I think Tunisia may end up being difficult, more difficult than people probably expect. It's the perfect group for England, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they, in, in fairness, Belgian players, the vast majority of them play in England. Correct. So they <laughs> so, know. So they all know what goes on and how they play. And mm-hmm. right, it could be an interesting, interesting group going to be great um, great to see we'll get into france i mean i've been on record for months saying they're my favorite to win this world cup we'll get into a player that may not play for them some news and notes surrounding the tournament that have also broke this week including other players and referees that will miss out on this year's competition gareth wheeler andy petrillo john conway with you this is road to russia 2018 you're listening to the road to russia 2018 podcast this is Road to Russia 2018. Gareth Wheeler, Andy Petrillo, and Toronto FC goalkeeping coach John Conway with you. A heartbreak for Dimitri Payet in the, the Europa League final for Marseille had to leave the match 30 minutes in. Looks like a hamstring. And one of Didier Deschamps' key men is a severe injury risk heading into this summer's competition. I mean, that's the risk that you take. Like, 
if, if I'm an Egyptian supporter and I'm watching the Champions League final, I'm like, does Mo Salah really need to play for Liverpool? <laughs> for sure, yeah. Or Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal? Like, and he's not the only one. Tony, go down the list of the key players that are playing in matches. Mm-hmm. Coming, even the FA Cup final this Saturday. I mean, that's going to be a big talking point now until the World Cup actually starts is making sure guys stay healthy and how they progress through whatever games they have left in their regular season or Champions League or whatever else. But I think that's going to be a big talking point whenever whenever people are going to start discussing teams being ready for the World Cup. Who's going to be fit? Who's going to be ready? Neymar going to be ready. Payet out. Who's going to fill in? Like All this stuff is going to start to, to come up. And, and how many constant. times do you see players going to tournaments like this and they're not fully fit and they try to play hurt? Like Wayne Rooney, still like his World Cup legacy is torn by that. David Beckham going to like. There's so many players who've mm-hmm. tried to come and play in a World Cup. It's it's players who are on form and in good fitness, really. So this sorry, Payet. Yeah, and you know what? This is so tough because we have this conversation around athletes every time these types of events come up, yeah. whether once every four years, right? The World Olympics Cup, too, the Olympics. It's almost like. So first of all, as an athlete, you cannot go into your final competitions or your final games before the big event thinking about injury because we all know what that's going to do to your brain and then who knows how that affects you out on the pitch and then you tense up and you just can't be thinking about it. Uh, But then there's also the other side where if you are injured, you have to be honest too because you're almost going to hurt your team more than you're not by staying in the game. If you recall at the Olympics, it was the exact same thing that happened, uh, you know, the men's hockey tournament, right? And Ben Scrivens takes the knock to the head. Mm -hmm. And he stays in the game and he's kind of skating around. And I remember a lot of commentators are saying, listen, you know, we admire the fight, we admire the grit, but at the end of the day, it can be more of a detriment to your team than not. So this is where it gets really tricky for players this is where it really messes with your emotions because you have you know as you mentioned champions league of these big but if you're christian ronaldo you can't be thinking about that right if you're mosella you can't be thinking about that and then for players who are injured and trying to heal we just said manuel neuer obviously we know neymar though it turns out it looks like he's going to play in a friendly against croatia soon but be honest with yourself too and we know it stinks i mean this event happens once every four years it's the biggest of your career and it absolutely stinks but are you going to help the team or not. Especially in a, in a short tournament where it's almost as much about system that you play rather than having the best player available. As cynical as that sounds, like Portugal, for example, they've only lost two games since the 2014 World Cup competitively. Both games were without Cristiano Ronaldo, but we saw Portugal survive the Euro 2016 final against France in France mm-hmm. after Cristiano Ronaldo left the field of play. And it was because of this bullish structure which was difficult to watch like they weren't an attractive footballing squad in Euro 2016 and if I'm Portugal I go about the same way under Fernando Santos like he has his team he did it with Greece he's doing it with Portugal win ugly and that's why I sometimes dread tournaments like this because it's about just locking down not making mistakes rather than letting your talent come to the forefront right I mean you have to balance sort of the beautiful game and get doing what you got to do to win and i think in that case portugal did what they had to do to win in the euros they they got through and 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 made the decisions that they needed to make tactically even with losing ronaldo and they got they won now right. we could all want to we all want to watch a beautiful world cup where game is free flowing and the ball is moving around the field and and it's a, a beautiful conceptual soccer game but at the end of the day a lot of these countries can't compete with those teams that have those players, the quality of players. France, for instance, you're going to have to go out there and, and, and muck it up a little bit 
to get the result that you need. So Didier Deschamps loves Payet. Dimitri Payet, he's a set-piece specialist. There's a lot to like, but this France team has enough outside of Payet to make up for that absence. And I'm not trying to belittle the fact he mm-hmm. most likely won't be available, but look at this France team. Like, they're loaded. There's yeah. no excuse. It's pretty interesting because if you look at, you know, which is by no means my gambler, um, but you start to look at the odds because it's just, you just type in, literally, you go to Google. Hey, <laughs> where are the odds to win the World Cup? Yeah. Um, and France has actually dipped based on, you know, recent friendlies, which I kind of found interesting because this is a team that has, you know, made finals at World Cup. They've made finals at Euro. And we're talking recently, like I'm not talking ancient times here. You know, they are World Cup champions. Obviously, that was in 1998. Uh, but it's just it's it's interesting how they've dipped though based on again you look at the plethora of talent that they have and Spain where we were talking coming out of the 2014 World Cup we're seeing the end of a dynasty mm-hmm. suddenly they're actually above France in the odds to win because they would they have like a nine and one record since I don't think World people trust their manager Didier Deschamps I think that's what it comes down to. He's a little bit out there, like lacks a little bit of structure. Oh, are we going to have this problem with France again no, where they I don't did, like their manager? That's it. No, but that, <laughs> it's like the instability through, throughout the French Federation. I mean, you're right. We've been there, done that before. Wasn't that, was that 2010, right? Uh, South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Where they just, they, what, the half the team, like they walked off the field. They it was had embarrassing. This, they wrote a letter to their coach basically saying, why we hate you. <laughs> like it was just, I mean, it was. And, and that was the year they qualified based on the handball yeah. by Thierry Henry against Ireland. against Ireland. So they had all this controversy surrounding them anyways. And you're right. I mean, if you, I don't know if that's, if that's the case going into this one again, it's just so unfortunate because this is a team that you always feel is ready to take the leap. Right. And then you kind of hear something well, like Kylian that. Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann. Like this team is loaded in terms of attacking talent. Griezmann is staged to have... An epic World Cup, in my opinion. Do you play I mean, to watch? Yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I don't know anybody right now that's. I mean, in my opinion, he's on great form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going into this World Cup, this is his chance to really showcase, and I think this is going to set the tone. Which the anticipation is that he's going to go to uh, Real Madrid. Yeah. So uh, maybe he waits till the end or whatever. He's stay. I'm hoping he comes to Manchester United. Yeah. Get Agent P, Paul Pogba on that. Yeah. Exactly, chirping uh, in his ear. Selfish United thing. supporter. I have no problems. What to say? What's your what's your catch there? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I mean th- this this France team. It's about how they come together. But the talent was there. They should have won Euro twenty sixteen. That was a massive disappointment. But sometimes through that setback, you can find growth within the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't pay attention much to qualifying. I just try to look at the form of their players and how all the pieces fit. And I think they have all of them. I think they have all the ingredients of a team. That can go on and win this tournament. Actually, just looking at their squad, I mean, who who would you think is the the internal leader of that group? That's a good question. I I, well, I, I, I look at all these guys. Their I mean, goalkeepers, vastly experienced, respected. Yep. Can a goalkeeper lead that way? Like Neuer's the captain of Germany. I mean, I'd still think though they have valuable people out in the field, like right. to, to to supplement. Sort of the goalkeeper being back where he is. I mean, they, they can't be in the middle of the field. I think Payet was one of those. Uh, like Engolo Conte, yeah. quiet leader, like leads by example. I mean, I, it's not Pogba. Pogba almost needs to be reined in to a certain degree. Totally. So. I mean, I just think back, you, you, you want to compare, I'm just thinking about France, France teams, 98 when they won. Mm-hmm. You know, the leaders on that team. Like, you could, you, there, there, was, there was a list of leaders on yeah. that team. I mean, you can go right down the middle of the field with that group and be like, oh, yeah, that guy that guy was a leader on every team he played on. Zidane, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. 
still go over the years. I mean, like look at Deschamps, Henri, yep. like you know Laurent Blanc. If you yep. want to go back, like true, it's the they've they've always had balance within the team. Yeah, and I look at this group, and I'm not sure who that is yet, really. Right. But it's fair. Overly talented. Yes. Can I switch gears a little bit here since yeah. we're just talking about leaders and goalkeepers? And can we just say goodbye to Gigi Buffon? Can we have a moment yes. to say that he announced he's playing his last game with Juventus and then that's it? I'm not so certain about that. Re- Ooh. Do you have like a little conspiracy I, theory? I, I mean, 17 I years. Up. We know Italy hasn't qualified for the World Cup. Obviously, their quest in Champions League ended, and it, uh, we all know the controversial way it ended there. But yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Gigi. Apparently, there's been some uh, sniffing around by a couple clubs, including uh, Liverpool. I heard Liverpool, which would be criminal. Yes. Wouldn't it? Like, I, like this is the thing with Father Time. He always wins. Iniesta's going to move on to China. Buffon moving on. Like, Carrick played his last game in the United. Tor- yeah, yeah, Torre in Man City is just... Father Time, buddy. Catches up, and you're not going to win that one. But I, I, think, I think he... Oof. It's going to be hard for him to turn away if somebody comes in with a decent money to say, hey. Now, that to me is bizarre. I mean, how many athletes do we talk about where they've worn the colors of one club for so long? Whether we're talking soccer, mm. hockey, but you name it, whatever pro sport. Like, I don't think Gigi Buffon owns any other gear but Juventus gear right. or Azzurri. Like, could you imagine him wearing something else? That would just be bizarre. On so many levels, that would be bizarre. But anyways, I know that's not World Cup talk. I just wanted to say, for talking about leaders, I just know that this was the day that he made that announcement. Well, and, you got to throw an Italian guy in there. And I just I had to... I'm going to find a way, Gareth, <laughs> in every World Cup podcast <laughs> to talk about Italy, even though they're not in that's it. That's fine. It's going to no. affect like the way that a lot of people watch this tournament. I, it, it, it's absolutely relevant. Some big names, by the way, left out of the France team. Lacazette, Rabiot, and Anthony Martial. None of them made the team. A lot of attacking talent. We'll see how it all comes together for this France team. I'm still picking them to go on and win the World Cup. But Is that your pick? Bold decisions. They're my pick. And I, I feel like I made it months ago, and I can't go back on it now, even if I wanted to. <laughs> you can change your mind anytime you want. That's the beauty of sport. You're like, ah, I changed my mind. I really um, don't want to go there. Terry Dumfield is going to join us in a moment, but we, we need to get into this bizarre Argentina story. Oh, like, geez. That the Federation put out how to pick up Russian women. Have either of you been to Russia? Like, you're yes. what traveled, both of you. Been to, I've been to Russia. And so we actually, um, on it's our so Leaf cheap. Lunch show, here's the thing. Like, we're, this is a hockey show, but I just said, so right now the World Championship's going on in hockey. And I said, imagine, this is the equivalent of Hockey Canada sending out a booklet to their players and journalists and everyone who's traveling on over to work this tournament saying, this is how you pick up Danish women because you're in Denmark. And it's like, it's so ludicrous. And then somebody actually translated it. So we were actually reading some of it on air today. And it was like, they like men who are, who smell good and are clean. Yeah. Thanks, tips. And it was like, uh, respect a woman when you're speaking to her. Don't try to brag about your money or say other people are poor and stupid because she will walk away from you. Don't just talk about sex. Like, I'm like, how is this necessary in an actual federation booklet that now I can't imagine any Argentinian um, female journalists who perhaps are making their way mm. over to cover the World Cup. Now they receive this and you're just like, what am I looking at right now? Why is that even a thing? It's awesome. Maybe they're just trying to get more Argentine men to go to Russia. <laughs> like it's a big trip. Maybe. 
I mean, I, that's a that's a big trip to take and little incentive to to go over, I guess. Listen, nobody is naive. Nobody's thinking that when you head on over to places, things don't happen. Right. I just find it interesting that you need a guidebook on it to be told to have proper hygiene and respect women. You need a guidebook on that. Maybe it's more of a maybe. Maybe they're just doing it to help their people out instead of like you know making sure they take care of them yes. oh jeez oh self-help geez. Book. Really yeah, about- do a couple other news Here's notes a, yeah take a shower brush your teeth and be respectful you that, that should just to go told these are yeah, basics those are basics yeah the saudi arabian <laughs> football federation has banned fahad al mirdasi for life he's a referee mm-hmm. allegedly asked for money to help a team win he was supposed to be one of the 36 referees at this summer's fifa world cup i thought var was the biggest issue but <laughs> Perhaps this, I can't. I can't believe that match fixing is still prevalent. This is still mm-hmm. a thing, despite the heightened awareness and various ways to catch people. Oh, and here, okay. you know, like so technology's it, caught up, people. He's idiotic because he's still trying to uh, be a part of match fixing. So, a, he's just stupid. But he also put it in writing, like mm-hmm. it was on a WhatsApp message, the message WhatsApp messaging system, where he contacted somebody else and basically wrote out. Pay me, and I will, you know, find a way to have this team win. Dude, you're put, first of all, you're dumb. Mm-hmm. Now you put it in writing? Come on. Like, really? What? Anyways, this is the thing. When you hear soccer fans, you know, yelling out, match fix, match fix, you always want to say, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're overblowing things because but... of your team. But now there, you fear that there's going to be truth to it. And that's what really stinks. And that's just, unfortunately, a blemish uh, on the sport. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just blame soccer. You, you can talk about other sports. But I just feel like this is such an unfortunate thing to come out when it did. And we all know the stories around FIFA. Better to it. find out now. <laughs> so true. I'm trying to find the silver lining in that. Yeah, then midway through, that he took a payment and somebody lost. And now they're on their way home from Ugh. the World Cup. Yes. What a gut punch if that... Actually, to be honest, to bring up a little bit of a side point on this, with the state's... Now allowing gambling per state, mm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, now it's legalized. You can do it. I actually have a feeling that this may come up a lot more in North American football. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, I think I think we're the gonna integrity be, of the yeah, athlete you gonna, mean? Uh, of everybody. And the thing, and the thing is, like in North America, you focus on gambling around around NFL football more more so than any other sport. But worldwide, the sport that's gambled on. Bar none, more so than any other sport, is the game of soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's different ways that it can be manipulated, especially at lower levels. So, correct, might not be at the MLS level, but lower levels beyond that, look out, could be asking for trouble. Uh, more still to come. This is Road to Russia 2018. This is the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. Welcome back to Road to Russia 2018. Wheeler, Petrillo, Conway with you. Uh, I want to tap into your world of expertise, Andy Petrillo. Oh, geez. Well, just covering Olympic athletes for so long. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you need to just deal with the dirty side of sport. Mm-hmm. Literally, in terms of performance-enhancing drugs and the various ramifications of it. Paulo Guerrero is the captain of Peru. Mm-hmm. Came through the back door, really, defeating New Zealand to qualify for this summer's World Cup. And they're going to be without their captain, Paulo Guerrero, who is 
suspended originally for a year. It was cut down by FIFA to six months. But now the Court of Arbitration mm-hmm. in Sport has now increased it to 14 months, meaning yeah. that the Peruvian striker is not allowed to play this summer. What's the deal with this scenario and how it's played out? And why does it leave such a bad taste? It's it's very confusing. Um, the So we'll just say CAS now, Court of Arbitration of Sport. And are they working really in partnership with the governing bodies? So just to go back to, you know, the Olympics, as we know, the IOC, the Interna- International Olympic Committee, finally took a stand against Russia and the doping, and they banned the nation. They said, you're not coming mm-hmm. to Korea in 2018 for the Winter Olympics. A week before the Olympics were set to begin, the CAS overturned 29 of those bans. Now, the IOC is like, well, it's too late. There's still certain protocol. There's a week to go. We're not letting them in. Like, sorry. So it's kind of like the CAS almost made the IOC look like Mickey Mouse. Like, it was just, you got to work together here, and you have to be on the same page, and you have to be strong together. Now you have the same case here where, you know, FIFA... They said, listen, it was in a World Cup qualifier. It was back in October where Paulo Guerrera had tested positive for a very small amount of a substance found in cocaine. It wasn't cocaine. It was a very fall, uh, small amount of substance found in it. And they said, listen, you're, you're banned for a year. I guess there was an appeal process. They heard him out. They said, fine, we reduce it to six months, which meant he was able to start playing now with his club team and then, of course, be ready for World Cup. But again, the CAS stepped in and said while they understood. So this is what happened. I guess he was drinking a tea and it was proven that the tea was brewed in the exact same container or receptacle that the coca leaf is brewed in, which is a very popular tea in Peru. So hence the traces. So they said, yeah, no, we totally understand how this happened to Guerrero. We totally understand that he didn't do this intentionally. And we totally understand that what was found in his system is actually not a performance enhancing drug. But you're still going to be suspended for 14 months. And everyone's like, well, wait a second. If FIFA kind of did their own due diligence in suspending him for six months, and you've just acknowledged that this isn't a PED, and that sure he should have been a little bit more careful, why have you now done it for 14 months? He's 34 years of age, which essentially means his career's done. And he's one of the two or three most important players on Peru. Let's be honest. Yeah. A country that's in a group with France, Australia, and Denmark. And for smaller nations like Peru, if yeah. you lose a player like this... Mm-hmm. There go your chances, don't they? Exactly. Like, there ends the issue. And so it's the first time Peru's in the World Cup since 1982. So now FIFA, which is you know the players' union and represents them, is is really trying to push hard to to FIFA and also the CAS to be like, we need to find some fair grounds here. We're not saying that dopers shouldn't be penalized, right. but we just feel like there's another system that should be in place because the CAS acknowledged that it wasn't a performance-enhancing drug. They acknowledged that um, they could see where this mistake happened, but yet they weren't willing. It, it's like they're making an example of him. So now the players' unions are getting involved and stepping up and saying, we need to be a little smarter about this. I mean, the big controversy heading into um, the 2014 Olympics, the Mexican team, right? Because there was a certain hormone being injected into the meat, and it was a banned substance, and it was showing up. But the players are like, but mm-hmm. we're not doping. Like, what what's happening here? And then they were able to discover through science and research, that it was actually coming from the meat. And FIFA just said, don't eat the meat, right? Like, there's going to be no excuses after this. I mean, I, I don't the know. The Peruvian just... government stepping in, and there is a chance that it can be reversed if they deem that the legal process was abused, which, I mean, June 16th is when they play Denmark in their first game. Time's ticking. I believe former <laughs> Formal squads needs to need to be applied way June fourth, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's the first week of June. So I mean, time's ticking. Time's of the essence. So.
It's a very interesting case because this all has to go through, as you said, the CAS, Mm -hmm. right? So even if FIFA has determined something, the Court of Arbitration has to rule. And I think that's an interesting one because it's the same way with the Olympics. Like The Court of Arbitration actually has the governing decision. It's almost like they have the final say. Correct. Right. But but the problem I think now we've seen in such a short span of time is that each time they've gone against, you know, the IOC and now they're going against FIFA. And I think what people, at least for me, I'm just asking about where's the consistency and what does it take? And I'm not saying whoever is right or wrong, but what does it take to get on the same page? Because I can see the confusion then for athletes, right? So, you you know, for example, the Russian athletes who were, you know, perhaps fi- they did find a way to prove that they were innocent. Right. Well, now it was a week before the Olympics started. You're not going. Right. That dream's crushed. So let's just say for Paulo Guerrero, they managed to overturn it or whatever. What is he going through right now? Mm. Is he going to be ready or even just mentally ready? Like, and you said ugh. it, Andy, first time since 1982. I am sympathetic to a certain degree. There's a cynical side of me that says this isn't the first time, the last time something like this happened. But at the same time, the country's hopes of, mm-hmm. of, of, of having that special experience, a lot of it revolves around this player. So I, I, I am sympathetic to a certain degree. Uh, any other business to take? Anything else that jumps off the page to either one of you as the mm-hmm. squads were announced this week in terms of news and notes? Anything else going on? No, I mean, it was just really, there was just a lot of, I guess you could say, no surprises, you know, when it came to squads. I know we touched on it. I mean, England was the biggest one simply because they just went with a lot of youth and um, there definitely seems to be a turnover there, but everything else really does seem status quo, to be honest. It's mm-hmm. it's now who's just going to recover in time when it comes to injuries. Is Manuel Neuer going to be ready to go? Is Neymar going to be ready to go dealing with that problem, you know, uh, in his right foot? Just it's it's all about that. It really is just about the injuries. And like I said, I know it's so difficult for players. This is the biggest tournament of your career. But you have to be honest. I'm sorry, and your boy's Latin, not part of the He's team. He's not. He's not. Sorry. John Gadetti's there. He was Good luck with that, Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even their, um, their what was it, Jakob, um, what am I, uh, Joh- Johansson, the guy who scored the only goal against Italy in order for Sweden to qualify, ends up doing in his... Uh, knee is it so now he's right. out of the tournament they have right some good young players they're just not ready to win I, I i really like sweden i i can i can sleep on them and i won't miss anything at all no for sure emil forsberg's had a brilliant if, year if lockdown was there players, you, but, you wouldn't sleep on him though no of, of, of course not and that's what i said to andy yeah. i mean it's it's foolish to me of having a player that i know he's going to command a lot of attention but can turn a game like this like i would have kept them in my team if i was sweden but who am I to say? You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there, I think there's more to it than just footballing considerations. Let's put it that way. For sure. So, uh, plenty of friendlies coming up. I'm looking forward to getting a better sense of how the teams will shape up, just in terms of overall shape, their approach, what it will be in the World Cup, which teams kind of change their form and their style of play a little bit heading to the World Cup compared to the qualification campaign. So all of that coming up in future weeks. We're going to break down the individual groups coming up in future weeks. Looking forward to that as well. I've already picked my kind of sweetheart dark horse teams throughout Ooh. the tournament. I know. I'm, Don't I'm, reveal I'm on the ball it. that way. Don't reveal it. Um, we'll do that next week. And let's just get through the FA Cup on Saturday. Are you guys waking up to watch a Royal Wedding, by the way? Yes. So You're such a liar. I'm going to wake up, but i probably go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. now. Do you even know who's getting married? Uh, Meghan Markle. Yeah, that's <laughs> all he knows. Some and some prince guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you got Prince Harry, Meghan Harry. Markle. 
I'm actually, you know what? I'll, it's going to be a busy day because you're right. You got a lot of soccer. You got the royal wedding. Still got hockey yeah. going on. It's going to be a great if weekend. If you're listening to this afterwards, by the way, I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm waking up to watch. I have no shame in saying that. Then watching the FA Cup afterwards. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And I feel like you and I as married men, John, like our first marriage was to football first, yeah. right? Absolutely. And then came along our lovely wives. Absolutely. The question is, was it an upgrade? <laughs> I'm putting <laughs> you on the spot right I'm still now. trying to figure that out. <laughs> Thanks well, for stepping in. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thanks you, for you having me. You can have like the the, the kind of the, that side uh, affair yes. with this podcast. Yeah, just add awesome. that into it. Good stuff. He is John Conway Patrillo. Yeah, solid as always. Try, always try. We'll see you next week. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. You know what? Now I feel like I need to start picking my dark horse. You wait till next okay. week. We're going to see if we agree on okay, things. Okay, Andy Patrillo's dark horse. We'll start breaking down the groups next week. Yes. Right here on Road to Russia 2018.